Hello and welcome to the Ski Racing Podcast with me, Ed Drake. Back for another dose on the pod is Superfan and Coach Ben Clark. We'll take a look back at the women's weekend's action from Lienz and pick up a brutal weekend of speed for the men in Bormio. Then look forward to Zagreb for the Snow Queen and Snow King Trophy. It's, so it's slalom for both men and women. Ben, Schifrin, is she back to her best? It certainly looked like it this weekend, didn't it? In the, both the GS and the slalom, she absolutely dominated, looked a lot more like her old self uh, and took two wins quite comfortably. Um, and I wish I'd picked her in the GS. I said she was <laughs> open for picking and then still went with Prinoni. Um, but uh, yeah, it was brilliant. It was brilliant GS. Um, I really liked their piece uh, in the end. It looked like it had a little bit of everything. It wasn't too short. Had some good pitches, lots of contrast of going through light and dark. Quite a few natural kind of sweeping turns to the piste as well, mm. not just yeah. uh, not just the ones that were put put in by the, uh, the 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 setters, and quite a lot of rolls as well. Like it had a little bit of everything, which meant people challenged the whole way down. I think when you looked at the snow conditions, being it was pretty icy down there, pretty compact. And, uh, and it just looked like a day for Schifrin, or, or in terms of, yes, she sort of didn't have the form coming in. We were wondering whether she'd sort of burned out a little bit already in the season or whether she'd under the weather, whatever it was. But then as soon as the conditions looked like that, you said, this is made for Schifrin, these conditions. And she, uh, I think it's safe to say she had a bit of a point to prove and went out there and, uh, yeah, answered critics and then some. Oh, certainly in the in the GS. I think what did she win by in the end? It was like one point three six. One point three six seconds. So that's more like the shift when we're used to. Um, you know, not winning a GS up to this point was almost shocking. Yeah. Um, so she certainly put the record straight. It was quite good to see on the first run um, that the the course itself did provide some challenge. Like I said, the slope wasn't too easy, but also the set wasn't too easy. Yeah. There was a couple of. Uh, gates on rollers that were catching people out similar to what we'd seen in, in the men's the week before there were quite a lot of high speed uh, 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 ladies coming over the roll and uh, and, and flying that, yeah. past gates and, yeah. and having to not, not, really not hike them. back up but yeah. really like there were some some people that absolutely nailed the underside of that turn were sweeping up underneath it uh, and, and other people were, were losing the lines so our podium then was Schifrin followed by Marta Bassino, and then in third place with Katarina Leonsberger. So Bassino backing up that early season form, picking up that win, uh, and now another podium. And she started to find con- some consistency. And Katarina Leonsberger now uh, back on, I think it's her first World Cup podium. She's got World Cup podium, um, a World Championship podium, but I think it's actually her first World Cup podium. So a good, a good result from her. Yeah, it was good to see her skiing that well, especially considering... The drama she had at the start of the season uh, with her kit manufacturers and having to miss out on Solden. Yeah. Uh, so she looked really, really strong uh, and confident, which is obviously what the Austrians like to see in front of their home crowd. But uh, there was a lot of talk on various news outlets and on TV uh, about her coaches saying how far behind she is with her schedule and her training because of all those kit issues. Yeah. When you think about it, you've normally had the whole summer setting up your kit, whereas she's yeah. kind of making it up as she goes on the fly and it seems to have worked out all right for her uh, so far this weekend. Yeah, so that was a, a good result for her. Um, backing up another quality finish was Frederica Brianoni, who hangs on to the giant slalom overall lead. Yeah, she was my pick for the weekend. Uh, she had a pretty solid first run, probably a few too many mistakes on on, on both runs uh, and had a, a couple of big ones on the second run. She was getting bounced around quite a bit and got hung up uh, in one of the gates. Looked like she got her arm caught. 
uh, on one. So definitely not clean enough to get the win on the day, but still showing that she's got the form in GS. Uh, I was pleased to see that she was she was still charging. I don't feel like she's at all thinking about the overall. She wasn't a case of like holding back. She wasn't sort of taking her foot off the gas to make sure that she was scoring valuable points. She was still charging. Uh, Alice Robinson, what's going on with her? I feel like she's had not obviously she had that injury off the back of some training just after Solden, so she lost a bit of time there. She's come back. Um, all that talk early season that it was going to be Schifrin's nemesis, you know, Schifrin's major challenger, and uh, not quite at the races at the moment. No, I felt that was a little bit premature. Um, it what she skied brilliantly in Solden, but we, we've seen now that Schifrin was a long way from her best uh, right at the start of the season. She is an incredible skier, Robinson. She's so young and, still, isn't she? And she's so young. I thought it was just a bit too much pressure to be saying, right, you're now Schifrin's yeah, main rival yeah. after your first World Cup win. Yeah. Off you go. Soon to be um, the mo- most successful ski racer of all time. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, you're at 17. You go on. You challenge yeah, her. I'm sure Vlahova probably doesn't mind that and she just sit there and, and keep pushing Robinson up as the main rival and let herself sit in the background. But... Robinson on the first run, the notes I made when she was skiing was she just needs to calm down a bit. Um, it looked like she was, uh, she had a little sit down. She was getting kicked out of turns. I just said she needs to calm down. And on the, my notes on that second run were that's a lot more like the Robinson we saw in Solden. She she really linked a lot of the turns together. Uh, and as I mentioned, because of the terrain and and the way that that um, race piece in Lienz sweeps around in various places, a, a lot of the athletes were struggling to really chain together big segments of turns which on a just a straight downhill is sometimes yeah. a lot easier to do and she looked like she was a lot more uh, like herself on that second run yeah though that piece doesn't lend itself to really rhythmical sets because of where the piece go and, and how the terrain changes a lot so that's actually which is one of the reasons why I find that one quite an interesting giant slalom hill because it just chucks quite a lot of different skill sets at the ladies so I think that's a, a good step uh, for that racetrack, I really like it. Um, Alex Tilly, on the British perspective, snuck herself in a second run, and um, I was hoping that she was going to be able to push off the back of that, but she again faltered a little bit in the second run and only managing to finish in 28th. Yeah, it was a bit of a shame for Alex. She certainly looked uh, pretty annoyed with herself, I think, both runs in, in the finish area, um, and because of what we've seen from her at Killington, we know what she can do. Um, on the first run, I thought she had some good turns, but never quite looked in in rhythm. Yeah. Um, a bit like what we talked about with the with the piece itself, and and just looked a little bit behind uh, a lot of the time in in the turns. And then on the second run, um, she just looked like she was reacting to everything. Didn't look like she went into the run with with a, a plan or a, or a goal or a strategy in mind. Uh, it was it was still okay, um, but just not not like not like herself that we've seen so far this season. Uh, and then we had that day of racing backed up by a great slalom day. Uh, Schifrin yet again on the top step of the podium. Petra Vlahova in second, just over half a second back. And Michelle Gissin taking her first uh, slalom podium in third place. It, but she was 1.72 back. Uh, it's really difficult to get away from the Schifrin-Vlahova battle, isn't it, when it comes to slalom? In Slalom, those two appear to be the, the standouts. I mean, other people um, can occasionally get up there. We've seen Anna Swin Larson challenge a couple times, and, and she unfortunately came out, I think, on the first yeah, run. First run, yeah. Um, and, and I think my pick for the weekend was, was Nina Harva Loseth, who was having a really good race, actually. She was up on most of the splits on the second run and then had a couple of really big mistakes trying. She made one mistake and then 
compounded it yeah. trying to get the speed yeah, she, back. So she might have snuck in in front of Gizin, but you're right, trying to keep up with uh, uh, Schifrin and, and, and Vlahova is, is, is proving pretty tough. Yeah, I think Nina was uh, third after the first run. She just seemed to... Her hips didn't really move forward on the way down, which is why she fell inside a little bit. Just that hip stayed very far back. And when you've got your hip back, it just means you're using about half of the ski. And when it's that slick, which it was, and, you know, she was going to be, she was going down 28th. So ruts and bumps had formed it. And I just feel like it was a little bit tactically maybe, I don't know, naive sounds a little harsh, but I feel like, she, you know, it's just a, a, a technical decisional error really yeah i mean and sometimes we've, you know, we've all been there in races it may well be that she felt like she was in a strong enough position to hold on to it but yeah. like we talked about in in the gs with the amount of undulations and um uh rolls in that yeah. particular hill it's probably not the best tactical gamble to take um but you've got to think for Vlahova, she must be starting to feel like Christofferson behind yeah. Hersha um, because she put in some great, great turns. She was really pumped, wasn't and, she? And yeah. she looked like she was really happy with her run. And then Schifrin, in fairness, didn't didn't smash it by as much as he did in the GS, but it's still a fairly hefty margin. Yeah, it took another three and a half tenths on that second. Yeah, Vlahova came to the finish giving it big fist pumps and uh, looking pretty pretty pumped, pleased with how she'd got on. Actually, she did ski really well. But again, Schifrin, on those type of conditions with that hard, compact, icy snow... The difficult sort of rolls and and hit side hills going on there. She's that hill is almost. I feel like it's almost made for her. Um, Wendy Holdner had a bit of a a mishap, shall we say, on that second run ski down into the lead. This was when Michelle Gassin was leading and ski down into the lead, and then the Austrian director managed to pick up a straddle, which played in slow-mo maybe four or five times and held it on the screen and then on that to make a, a very subtle sort of uh, moonwalk exit, you know, like out of the shot, out of the red chair. Two, two ladies both in Swiss cat suits, no one will notice. Um, it was a bit, a bit naughty because it wasn't one of the straddles where your tip hits the gate and you stumble and you're not sure what side your foot's gone, yeah. so you carry on skiing. This one was a bit more of a, a full arc inside the gate. From the front on, I didn't see it in, in the live shot, but when they show the camera angle from the rear, you're like, oh, well, that's, yeah. You're, you're definitely you not do, getting away with that. Yeah, and you do notice. You, you do, do feel you, it. There's you, no you way you know when you your foot's gone all the way inside. It's yeah. one thing when you stumble over it and you've hit your tip is one thing, but yeah. when you, your inside foot has, yeah. has completely missed the gate, you, yeah. you know so it. She knows, uh, and she'll pick up a... Well, I was about to say a hefty fine of a thousand Swiss francs, but hefty for us, yeah, yeah, yeah hefty, hefty for, for us, yeah, you and I, but not hefty when you're you're walking away with tens of thousands each weekend. Wouldn't surprise me if head pay at the amount of time they had their ski show oh, them showing the replay. They've got their money's worth. <laughs> well, they sent us a tactical decision. If I straddle this and try and get away with it, I'm going to get so much more head airtime. Um, also, a good good showing from Leensberger. She she obviously got on the podium in the in the GS uh, fourth in the slalom shows that she's starting to find some form. Like you said, she's a bit behind on her season's preparations, but a little something there for the Austrian fans to, to kind of be excited about. Obviously, they've got a ton of injuries and not much well, been, form. Yeah, They've um, been nowhere, have they, the women, Austrian women this year? No, you know, Bernadette Shield uh, and Stephanie Brunner are their two uh, number names, ones. Yeah. And Brunner's coming back from an injury from last season and Shield got injured pretty much first, was it first race or pretty yeah, much yeah, first race was, this yeah. season. Yeah. So they're without their best athletes and, and they've not got much on the uh, uh, tech side at the moment. Obviously in the speed side, uh, they've got uh, Schmidhofer uh, doing her thing. 
and Siebenhofer as well. Yeah. So they've got it covered on that side. But the women's tech, kind of really since Marley um, Shield, they haven't really had a, a consistent yeah, winner well, remember, and Catherine um, Zettel yeah, as Zettel well. Zettel and Hosp and yeah, Shield, those ladies were just... You know, it's a real purple, a real uh, purple patch in terms of form. You know, those ladies were results after results after results. And yeah, and and Vyth just hasn't looked the same since she's come back from injury. I broke down in a few places. She just looks like she's lost the the snap in her turns. Like it just seems like she's just putting them on an edge and letting them letting them roll rather than yeah. really driving. Yeah. I don't know whether that's because her knees just don't have the same power they used to, or or something mm. else. But it just looks like she just doesn't have that same fizz to her turns which is such a shame because she she dominated for, yeah. for a couple of years in the overall it was like her and Herschel were like the Austrian golden children yeah I mean we talked about it at length haven't we in, on on the air on TV as well as on in the podcast the injuries so difficult to come back from some people never return from injuries you know some people they could be healthy but just don't have that spark don't have that um, ability to just pick up where they left off because the whole everybody moves forward right so you don't have to get back to as good as you were when you got injured you have to get back to as good as you were and then do the improvement that everybody else has done Uh, so it's definitely definitely not an easy task Um, let's move over to the men's racing in um, Bormio they had double downhill so downhill Friday which was the one that we missed in Val Gardena and uh, small downhill just a just a and it took know, a few hundred metres off. You know, it took 100 metres off, maybe seven or eight seconds, so it was only the second hardest downhill on the World Cup Tour, <laughs> uh, post the uh, the full-length one. So um, Dominic Paris had an absolute belter of a weekend, didn't he? He had a pretty fun weekend, didn't he? That first uh, downhill, the snow was a lot more like we're used to seeing, and it was a lot clearer but the light looked really oh, flat. Oh, the light was so terrible. On a on a hill as bumpy as Bormio, it did look a little bit worrying. Not unsafe, but just you <coughs> you could see people were almost holding back a little bit, which in in downhill skiing can no, get you, you in trouble. You can't. I spoke to um I spoke to a few guys about it. I spoke to some old uh, racing colleagues of mine who are now coaches and all the reports were that the snow was a little that first day anyway the friday the snow was a little bit easier than normal it was a tiny bit more grippy because uh, it had been that you know that fern wind that we talked about before and has been raging through the alps it was so they just caught the backside of that so it was uh, a little bit softer than usual i mean a little bit softer i mean it was still bulletproof ice just not quite concrete um and uh, but the light was terrible and so there because it was a tiny bit softer there were a few ruts forming and you couldn't see a thing down there in terms of, you know, the flat light. It was just grey mush everywhere. So I think it was a really, really tricky day. Um, but what I was very impressed with was it was the three favourites. The guys, the three guys that have been there all season and actually four if you count Kilda. Um, so you had uh, Dominic Paris taking the win, Biat Foyts in second, Matthias Meyer in third and Alexander Ormot Kilda in fourth. So, you know, the especially the top three, is the real form trio of the season. Yeah, and watching it was brilliant fun, uh, it was to be honest with you. So, I mean, Maya was the first of those three down, and when he came down, I just said, that's incredible. Yeah. The way everyone else had bounced around before him, he just put his skis on, on, on their edge and just stood on them, and just, it, it looked like he had them on rails, and I was just like, 
you know, I know this is Paris's uh, house, but that's going to take some yeah. some beating. Yeah. Um, and the, the notes I made when when Paris came down was just, I have no idea where he found that speed. It, it looked nowhere near it? as 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 not necessarily controlled, but didn't look as, as clean. On it. But it never looks as clean though, does it? With him, it just didn't. No, he looks, it it yeah. looked like he was making mistakes almost. He was he was bouncing around so much, but he just he is so strong. He just found a way out of all of it, and it, there was never like he wasn't really throwing them sideways anywhere. But it just no. looked like Myers Run would be faster, um, and and Paris just kept get, it got even quicker, um, and then Foyt's pulled back time on various sections, but he just doesn't have that level of attack that Paris has. Like, yeah. Like although he's bouncing around, Paris is attacking Bormio, whereas Foyt's looked like he was along for the ride. Brilliantly, Fox makes it look so. He looks. It makes it look so easy all the time. It just doesn't look like he's ever trying. Whereas he, Paris looks like he's throwing the kitchen sink at it and surviving. And uh, yeah, Foyt just looks like he's cruising. Not bad with a broken hand as well. I know. Just, yeah, <laughs> you you don't want to hit. You know that again. The ground is absolutely rock solid. So you would have been trying to eighty way. miles an hour bouncing your hand on the floor. Yeah, he did talk. He did talk about it, but he said it wasn't a factor. It said it did. He said that yes, it was a bit painful, but it didn't actually cost him any. Uh, didn't cost him any time, so he was quite clear about that. Because obviously, people want to say, you know, if you had a better hand, would you have been okay? And like he was, it just it's just the confidence it takes to put it out of your mind. Yeah. Um, we also got treated to probably the recovery of the season on Friday uh, from Vincent Creekmire, oh, oh, yeah. who I put down blue shoe, Paul, Paul de Bodie. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. He, the only other person to ski down on one ski, <laughs> and he could have carried on. Uh, he yeah. could he could have skied the rest of the course on one ski. Yeah, definitely blown, not advisable with no. another two days worth of racing to go. No, blown a shoe, but your outside one as well at the bottom of that um, that that fall away section just before you're coming up to the San Pietro jump. Um, I don't know how it shows some strength, doesn't it? Some strength. To have the core strength to pull himself back off the tails of his inside yeah, ski don't, don't back worry, up just to upright. Pistol squat my way out of this. <laughs> At very, very I high would have speeds. Been in the nets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have left the start gate. Well, that's true. <laughs> I'm too scared. You'd have been doing. You'd have been doing short swings. <laughs> I'd have been. I've been doing my slalom turns down there. It'd be fine. Uh, never have lost that much control. Uh, what I was actually quite impressed with is um, the French team at the moment. I think we spoke about it early on in the pod about how Adrian Teo and um, Johan Claret, the oldest elder statesman, they're 37 and 38 or 38 and 39. Anyway, um, you know, these guys are starting to get a little bit long in the tooth. Where's the next guys coming from? Because nobody's, you know, nobody seems to be pushing them still. And then this weekend we saw Maxime Mousseton, uh, Mathieu Bellet and Brice Roger being fifth, sixth and seventh. Uh, in that first race, I was really liking how they seem to be pushing through as a team. There's a couple of ones further down. Nils Aleg, he's there. Uh, Nicholas Raffour, Blaise Giesendaner in the Super G section of the um, the combined. So you've got like a bunch of, all of a sudden, a real sort of thick set of talent there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so the French were really hit hard the other year when, when uh, David Poisson... Yeah. Uh, uh, died and you could really see the hit it took especially to that speed team and although they were still competing week in week out you, you could see there was something missing and it seems yeah. like Teo and uh, Claro and Claro have really kind of put the rest of the team on their back now and just gone right 
it, we need to bring something out of this yeah. squad because there's a lot of talent in there. And like you said, the, the list of names, and um, I think you might have mentioned it on uh, commentary, it looked like they'd actually come up with a plan as a squad because they all took slightly yeah. different lines to everyone else, yeah. but they all took that same line yeah. together, which isn't something... At times you'll see a team do it, but very rarely do you see all of the members of a squad... Yeah. Pick that different yeah. line and then commit to it. Yeah, I thought it was really impressive. Um, so let's move over to the second downhill. So the second downhill, um, again, Dominic Paris uh, taking the win. Then Urs Krienbull from uh, Switzerland, from Bib 25, only just missing out on the top step by eight hundredths. Uh, and Beat Foyts just uh, rounding out the top three, just a quarter of a second back. It looked done and dusted. Dominic Paris was in the finish, and they and they weren't they weren't sort of counting their chickens or anything because uh, some of the guys that had done really well the day before, like I said, Mousseton, Brice Roger, and those guys had higher um, higher bib numbers, so he wasn't a case of you know standing, celebrating, and doing some interviews. But it certainly wasn't Crean Bull who was supposed to come down and push him close, although he was relatively quick in the training runs. I think he was in the top ten, uh, and that young man. Um, He's not even relatively young. I think he's actually young, and he uh, and he manages to, to come in second. What a race for him! And I didn't see his run because my recording cut out, which is apparently always the way with my recording. <laughs> so I caught it. I caught it on a highlight show today, and it was so smooth. When you think of how bumpy, bear in mind you said on on the Friday it was quite soft and choppy, and when you're doing two runs down the same course. It's not that they can throw a peace batter up it overnight. They have to leave it. And yeah, they do lots of work to smooth it out, but then throw another 20 guys down there and a bunch of forerunners yeah. and those kind of things. It was it was, it was was incredible. It was at, the piece was back to Bormio's best. It was just absolutely bulletproof. Definitely a clear night to yeah. uh, get it solid underneath. And I think the only two people that would have woken up that morning and thought, yes, it's got harder and it's got more dangerous and it's got more bumpy is Dominic Paris and Alexander Ormot Kilda. Yeah, definitely don't think Foyts would have been too happy about it. Um, and unfortunately for Beat Foyts, with his teammate, who, he's not even his teammate because Erz is on the Swiss B team, so he wouldn't really have <laughs> trained with him much before. Um, but because uh, Erz Ball came in second, he's now pushed uh, Foyts down into third, which meant he then didn't retain the downhill uh, tour lead. It, so, yeah. so, so Paris cheers, teammate. <laughs> finally gets to wear the red bib after after winning the most of the races last year, yeah. but always uh, having Foyts wear the red bib. He finally gets to wear it for himself for a couple of races. Well, uh, Paris set a couple of records. Paris is the only person to win four consecutive times uh, at a single race so he's won four downhills back to back and so that was the first time he's ever done it he's also what it's his fifth world cup downhill win in 2019 as a calendar year and so that's not been done since 2002 and so he seems to be absolutely flying well he does seem to, he, he is flying I and mean, he had a little blip back at beaver creek but the, the snow conditions were too easy for easy too easy for him in in Beaver Creek he just doesn't like that type of snow he doesn't like that grippy easier hero snow he likes it brutal and he likes it dangerous <laughs> which fortunately there's going to be a lot of uh, coming up because we've still got Wengen and Kitzbühel to come so. yes it's not going to be an easy January so you'll be you'll be fine Dominic you'll enjoy it <laughs> while everybody yeah. else is crying at night um, exactly I did think it was interesting we've had a few people struggling 
for form. A couple of the Americans, Bryce Bennett hasn't been on form recently, which is a real shame. Travis Ganong went really well the first down. I think he was in eighth or something. And then the second down, he'll found himself a long way off the pace, which was a real disappointment considering he'd just done his best result. He talked about how it was the first time he'd ever skied down Bormio and was able to attack. Um, but I, I, it was interesting to see that Alexander Ormakilda has been talking about how the downhill technique has changed recently. And he says, uh, nowadays we ski at 110 angle leg bend over the skis. And he's talking about ankle position. Uh, and if you try and get into a tuck uh, 90 degrees or less, you are doomed not to make the finish. It will rob you of energy before midway. Uh, the position which is very hard to master and to save some energy allows you just about to turn the skis and stay on line to thanks to the tar- carving skis. So he's talking about how this um, uh, having a closed ankle, so getting that uh, shin angle against the skis a little bit tighter so that you're able to really work the shin into the boot and find pressure early with these new conditions. Um, you ju- and the skis, when he's talking about the carving skis, but actually downhill skis have got less Carving less parabolic is that even still a word when it comes to it parabolic was, it, skis? It was, it was when they invented them. Yeah. <laughs> um, your age. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <the> parabolic <laughs> skis, no. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, so he's talking about how downhills actually change, which I think is quite interesting. So you're saying there, you you've got you've got to have a greater shin angle nowadays. That's what you're supposed to have. What you, have you downhill boys been doing? Just oh, sitting on the back of your boots for the last decade. Well, we just go straight. Don't have to do an awful <laughs> lot of turning. They need to bend then. <laughs> um, although for this race, on obviously a, a far uh, less jovial note, um, saw a crash for Hannes Reichel. Oh yeah, I mean terrible, nasty it was one. it was not one of the crashes where your kit goes no. everywhere and you're cartwheeling and those kind of things. It was. Not innocuous, but he just kind of got really squashed back onto his heels. Compressed. Then the edges picked up and, and one leg flicked out. Um, he did get back up to standing and then sitting, but deemed too hard to, to either go in the wagon. I would not want to be in a wagon down Bormio. Um, no, not, not uh, that I think a helicopter is a yeah. safer choice uh, yeah. there, but obviously he was, he was taken away and, and since then the uh, news has come out and it, it doesn't look good that he's... Uh, had uh, um, t- is he torn his ACL and and pulled else? Some, and pulled some bone off. I can't remember what the the technical word for it is, but yeah, basically where his ACL has come detached, he's also pulled bone off uh, off off the tibia. I think it is. So he's um yeah, real really struggling. I think it's um yeah, it was yeah. It's hard to to sort of explain if people didn't see it, but it wasn't yeah the spectacular you know hit in the net going really, really quickly. It was just one of those where he just got pushed into the back seat, classic ACL injury, pushed into the back seat, so his bum was on his bindings and then the ski flicks from one side to the other. And it, uh, and I think everybody that would have watched it that's had any sort of, um, not necessarily uh, their own experience with their knee ligaments, but have seen that sort of type of injury before, was it meant that that was pretty much dead cert what it was going to be. The thing that I'm afraid of is that yes he's out for the end of the season but are we going to see him racing again he's 40 he's 39 years old so come the summer he's going to be 40 years old is he going to come back i mean he's defying the odds racing this stuff and scoring top 10s as it is anyway can he come back from an injury at 39 an acl injury like that i mean a lot of it's going to be down to him it's going to be a big case of does he want to come back does he 
you know, just love the hunger. Does he have the hunger to, to be doing it? We've talked about before, like how much work these guys put in over the summer to their conditioning. Uh, and like you said, that you know, if if Armok Kilda is talking about learning a new style of skiing, what happens if there's another, you know, yeah, transformation true. in in you know down, downhill approach uh, over the summer, and he has to pick that up as well as gain the strength back. I mean, yeah. I'd I'd love to see him race again. Yeah, he's a brilliant too. skier. I really like the guy. He's a good. He's a really nice bloke as well. He's really. He's um happy to talk to everybody. He's happy to share his experience, and I think the tour will be less without him yeah I'd, I'd like to see him take a bit of time get all the surgeries out of the way and then see how hung, hungry he is to come back because if he says that's it I'm done that that that's fine he can he can make his own decision you don't want him getting three quarters of the way through a comeback and then getting re-injured or you know he, he might have to have a phone call with Julian Lizzaro and find out what it's like being well into your 40s uh, <laughs> racing World Cups um, just a couple more Big results from from further down the order. Niels Hinterman, Switzerland, went from 28th to 6th. Ryan Cochran Siegel went from 27th to 11th. He backed, I think it was a 10th up from the day before. So he's now starting to find real consistency. And actually, I'm really quite excited to see what um, Ryan Cochran Siegel starts to perform with the rest of the season because he's all of a sudden been somewhere where we've seen glimpses of it. We've seen quick training runs in seasons gone by. We've seen quick sections on race days, but haven't actually seen the best of him. And I think he's getting up to that now with the 10th and 11th from the hardest race at World Cup. Yeah, I put down that that was a bit more like it from RCS. He had some good training runs um, in the North American leg of the of the tour. Um, but overall, the American speed team just hasn't looked like themselves so far this season. No. I think on the start of the season podcast we, we said we were expecting some pretty big things from him and, and Steve Nyman's been almost non-existent which is really it's not tough. what you expect from him well he didn't get to do he didn't get to ski to Val Gardena properly which is his um I think he's won four world cups correct me if I'm wrong Steve but he's won four world cups and they've all been in Val Gardena so he would have been absolutely gutted when that didn't come through uh, I just want to also mention Felix Monson 15th uh, from Bib 47 from the Swedes. So the Swedes may be starting to find some speed boys again after Hans Olsen and uh, Patrick Yerbin packed up. It's good to see because there's, you know, there's, the Swedes don't have a huge uh, you know, history of, of being major downhill skiers. No. So if, if he can make a bit of a, a bit of a niche for himself uh, being one of the, the main guys, then, then that'd be awesome to, to have a few more Swedes on the, on the speed side. Right, let's move on to the Alpine Combined. So first Alpine Combined of the season. And it's also the first time we've had this new look second run. So uh, in years gone by, it is reverse top 30 for the second leg, whether that's speed, but it's usually slalom for the second leg. Uh, and so the fastest person from the speed leg will go in 30th place. Uh, Fizz have tried to uh, level the playing field, let's say, um, to help the speed guys a little bit so that, They've had a, a more even playing field when it comes to the tech discipline, when it comes to slalom. So what they've done is the slalom leg is now run in the order that you finish the speed leg. So that meant that and if you're quickest in speed, you go down first in the um, in the slalom. Yeah, and it was interesting to watch how that played out. I'm not sure we quite got a full viewing of it because looking back through it, there weren't any real 
slalom specialists that appeared to take part. Not no, any ones you would really say would make up a ton of time, apart from really Pantero. Um, and he's not really a specialist. He is a, about as much yeah. of an all-rounder as you can get, really. That's but very true. when you think of when we watched Hersher, who barely did a Super G and occasionally threw on downhill skis, yeah, you, when he skied down, you knew he was a, a slalom specialist because he took time out of everyone in the race by a long way but it definitely you know the fact so I enjoy I thought I thought it was good I quite enjoyed the yeah. fact that the speed guys had a decent shot and we saw Kilda who was leading the speed run Dominic Paris who was second those two went down with a clean track Paris fell but Kilda had skied really well and ended up finishing in second place so Pantero did um take the win and he uh, you know in terms of is it was it more tech biased and it's, they've now tried to change it, and he's still winning. So it shows that he's obviously not winning because of anything that uh, that's changed there. And uh, Kilda was second, and Loic Mayar was third. Yeah, Ryan Cochran Siegel down in fifth. So he's you know he's trying to do some all round Defin- stuff. Definitely, well. definitely a speed specialist doing well there. So we're seeing more of the speed names yeah. in that top ten than we would have done previously. Um, so I think it's fair to say that it has levelled the playing field a bit. Yeah. Um, I think both it was a courses, success. Yeah, both courses were pretty easy by their standards, um, I'd, I'd say. Um, but interestingly, Pantro was supposed to be injured, wasn't he? Going into this. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. After the last set of races... He tore his groin, didn't he? He said he, said he had an adductor injury and... Yeah. and uh, uh, that was going to cause him some problems and he wasn't sure if he was going to race. Um, yeah. I even texted you to say if he doesn't race, here's my second pick. Yeah, he was rubbish. Um, but it fortunately... Was, it was miles down. <laughs> uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't too. I think Tamufo Jande was 11th. Not bad for a second pick. Um, my first pick, though, was Pantero and he did win, so I'm taking it. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, that was a big shot, big turn up for the books. Listen to this. Pantero has won at least one Alpine combined event for the last seven, now eight Seasons, the longest winning streak in this discipline. So yeah, well done, well done, you Ben, because that was real, real difficult. You keep picking Paris for downhills, so you know. All right, all right, all right, all right. Okay, give it. Um, But I thought both courses I thought were pretty easy for their relative disciplines. Um, I did make a note. I would love to have seen Dave Ryden ski that slalom just to see what time he would have got down it. Just as because even Pantero looked to be tripping over his 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 uh, boots on the gates a couple times, and that's what I was saying when it wasn't a real out and out, I guess, f- full on slalom race there. I'd just like to have seen someone just absolutely smash a run and just be like, "That's how you do it, boys." To be fair, there's no way Dave was, would be skiing speed down that track. Oh no, just the slalom. <laughs> just trying to see the slalom. Um, I I did think it was quite fun watching the speed guys go first, um, especially people the size of of. Uh, Paris and Kilda because it is hilarious. It's like watching your dad ski. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not yours specifically, just anyone's. What are you about Big Chris? Um, <laughs> they, they just look so slow moving from foot to foot and then as the people get faster and faster um, it, it's, it's brilliant to watch. Um, so in fairness, Paris, I've said before, I love watching him ski slalom because he does give it a real go. They made a big point of saying to the press he'd done six days training of slalom <laughs> rather than his usual three. Oh, he was um, taking it really seriously. <laughs> um, which meant he really wanted it. And he, yeah, he was unlucky. He went, he went down. Um, but like you said, that Armand looked really good. Armand yeah. killed her. 
Yeah, I was quite impressed with it. It took him a while to ease into the top. I mean, the top of that slalom is a bit steeper, more challenging. So, of course, he's not going to be uh, as confident on that than he is when he gets down to the flats. But I thought, all, all in all, it, it was a really good event and I really enjoyed how it unfolded. I was pleased that Pantro still won in terms of, um, I don't know, backing up the form into, you know, Fizz trying to revamp the event a little bit and it shows that, yes, it did need changing. They did need to do something about it, but it still meant they're the best all-rounder wins. And if I think if you look at the look at it on paper, you'd say that, that yeah. Pantero is the best all-rounder. So, you know, true to form. And when they move on to some of the other combines, where it's a downhill rather than the Super G, you know, what was the what was the winning margin was point five. You know, will Kilda yeah, or Paris take a point five out of a downhill rather than a super G? That will definitely be a lot closer, you'd imagine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, so, shall we have a little look forward to this weekend? There's a lot coming up. Um, yeah, so this coming weekend, so this Saturday, is the women's slalom in Zagreb. Sunday is the men's slalom. And then we will actually chat a quick bit about Madonna slalom as well. And then uh, we'll... We'll leave the rest until the next episode. But so you've got, we've got some good slalom racing going on. Zagreb is going to be, they've said there's enough snow. It looks really good. It's normally very long if they start from the top. It's over, I think it's a minute, it's normally like a minute seven or a minute eight, something like that. It's quite a long slalom. And it's usually bulletproof icy, which leaves two sort of train track lines in the snow because it's not the steepest of pieces either. Which, when you start at bib number 140 like I used to do, it means it turns into a bobsleigh run by yeah, the just, time you get to go down. As long as you get in the ruts, you'll be, you'll be fine. <laughs> but yeah, so women's up first. Um, it's, I mean, we're going to ask pick for picks. Or <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe we should start picking... I mean, we both think Schiffrin's going to win, don't we? Yeah. The, the, so who's well, going to be... Is, who's is, gonna she, be... is she going? Um, you know, is it a long way... Uh, to go to Zagreb for one race. Um, yes, it is. But Zagreb is one of the um, has the one of the biggest prize purses that there is. So I think um, cynically, I, I think when you've got, I don't think she needs the money already. I think, <laughs> uh, of course, not. What's a normal one? A normal race is I think forty five thousand Swiss for a win. Um, but yeah. this, I think, is like seventy or eighty. So. I'm I'm very much anticipating every yeah. man and their dog going, uh, and so I think Schifrin has got to be winning. So shall we try and pick who else is going to be on the podium? Who's going to take third place? <laughs> who's who's not Schifrin or Vlahovic? Yeah, basically. basically, yeah, pretty um, much. Well, we've seen some good racing so far um, from Wendy Holdner. Um, she has been there or thereabouts. My pick from the last race, Nina Harvalotha has been skiing pretty well and. Anna Swen Larson are probably the, the next nearest competitors, those three. So I'll say, I'll say Anna Swen Larson. Um, okay. She'll be probably pretty mad at skiing out this weekend and really want to go after it and, and, and get back in there. Uh, and I'm going to say Wendy Holdner is going to be a, on one a little bit after a slightly embarrassing, if you want to call it that, error and... Uh, sort of day, let's call it in Lienz for the slalom. So I think I, I'm going to go with Wendy Holdner. I think she might be the might be um, have a bit of a B in her bonnet and ready to go. Uh, and what about the men? Can we say Dave yet? No, okay. he literally said, he said no. Don't pick him. Don't pick me. Outrage, so, Dave. Um, so <laughs> well, I can't say Hersher anymore. Um, 
So it's a tough one. I mean, Christopherson's been looking good. Yeah. Pantro's got a bit of form as well. Mm, Pantro's um, so up and down. I feel like that's a weird, I feel like such, that would be a bold a pick. Really right risky, now, it? risky choice. If it's not Alpine combined, don't pick him. Um, I mean, oh, it's a bit of a tough one. Who who else has been really ripping the slalom so far? We've not really had enough. No. Uh, Clement Noel was skiing really well before DNF. He's had a couple of DNFs. He's been skiing pretty quickly. Yeah, Schwartz is starting to come back I to form. but too I don't... early for him. Yeah. I feel bad when I'm not picking Austrians, though. Seems, seems strange. <laughs> <laughs> so used to it. Um, yeah, Noel, Noel could be what is Noel going to be your pick. Or I've just stolen your one if I go. No, no. You, I mean, I know you love the French. So. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd say I'd say Noel. Noel would be one. Um, I for I think that I actually think Christofferson's going to do it. I think Christofferson is going to take this one. I feel I don't. I'm not loath to say it, but I just I hope that he. This chip on his shoulder like finally falls off a little bit. It's not going anywhere. But uh, and I just well, want to keep winding you up. I'm surprised keep... you could pick him. To be honest, yeah. <laughs> angry every, you get at him every, every time he throws a hissy fit or uh, over celebrates. No, it's not over celebrating. It's it is a hissy fit. <laughs> Even that. when he wins, you get mad at him. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just I don't know. I feel like it's a little bit childish. But uh, yeah, but I think he's on really good form. So I think he's going to do it. Um, I'd like to back my my fellow tall friend of Zen. I was going to say you haven't picked him yet this year. No, I don't think I've I not have. been too many slaloms yet. No, I don't feel like he's on quite on winning form. Daniel Yule, he's not quite. No, I don't yet think he's either. quite clicking yet. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to say Christoph. Okay, we're not allowed to pick him, but what do you want to see from Dave? Uh, I would. I think here. Don't listen, Dave. Shut your ears. Mute it. Um, uh, I think that. This place actually really suits Dave. The, he loves the flats. He's really, really quick off the flats. I'd, um, I'd bet some proper money that Dave is quicker than anybody across a flat slalom. Um, so this is really good. The thing that I, I feel like with Dave at the moment, he and it's been the same for the last couple of years, the set is so important to him. I feel like he struggles a little bit in change of rhythm and change of tempo slalom skiing. And, to, you know, when there's a... It goes from sort of nice flowy slalom turns of a set rhythm and then all of a sudden it shortens up or it lengthens out and it, I just feel like it doesn't quite click in those transitions for him yet um, so I yeah so it should suit him but it massively depends on the set for Dave I think if but a top I don't know with my head I say a top 10 would be really good because I think like he needs to keep backing up and keep getting some good points hauls but my heart says I'm not really going to be happy unless it's a top five. I see what, you on that you, podium, Dave. What do you do think? Do you... I, I agree with what you're saying. The piece suits him. That He got caught up a little bit in some of the rhythm changes in Val d'Isere, but then that is a oh, really, really steep hill. So if you've got a tight rhythm change there you, and you and you don't get it right, you can almost stop your momentum entirely whereas on a flatter one it's really hard to get as caught out by tight rhythm changes yeah. um so uh, yeah i really i've been happy with what i've seen from him so far this year i'm quite i'm quite excited watching him race and um yeah let's 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 go top five then let's do it yeah let's do it let's do it uh laurie taylor will be starting that one i'm pretty sure i haven't actually had that confirmed but i would have thought that uh he will do that one because it's one of the you know like i say it's a slightly easier hill and if 
if it goes to form, it normally holds up quite well. So he's now got a slightly higher start number because he didn't have quite as good fizz points off the back of last year. So I feel like uh, he will go. And I think any, obviously top 30 would be mega. But I feel like for him in World Cup, he needs to start putting some, you know, even close, a lot of DNFs in World Cup. At the moment. I know we talk about how you have to race top to bottom. Otherwise, you're go, you know, you're going to really struggle. Um I think it's important that he that he actually starts ripping and finishing, or at least you know managing to make the finish line, which I don't think he's done for a long time in World Cup. Uh, and Madonna, I feel like it's it's tricky to 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 say anything else in terms of picks for anybody. Like the the hill there is an awesome hill. It's a really Madonna's cool a great place. party party night, isn't it? Them and Schladming, the night slalom. I yeah, love a night slalom. Yeah, they're to just watch. they're just really cool events. They're just uh, night slaloms. I don't know under floodlights. I think they're really cool. Just something about the, the darkness and the light, and everybody's incredible. everybody's had a few drinks. I mean, most most of them have a few drinks at the World Cups, even if they're starting at eight o'clock in the morning. But <laughs> yeah, they're full of booze when it comes to the night slalom. So it's a it is, extra. Madonna was one. I always used to love, especially growing up watching Tomba, the Italian, yeah. and nights like Herscher in front of Schladming, the crowd went extra wild, but obviously Adam Baxter had a couple of good results yeah. at Madonna, Dave's had a couple of good results there now, it's, it's a good it's a good place for the Brits, so uh, and I expect another good showing from Dave there, and that's, that's too, if he can get two good results in, in basically the space of a week, that would be really good for his confidence to really kick on in the rest of the season. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, um, I, shall, shall I stick with the same? I feel like that's a bit of a cop-out. Uh, I'm going to then say, I'm going to go Zenhausen. I oh, think that the big he, man. Yeah, I feel like he's going to do quite well in Zagreb and then he's going to, then he's going to, I don't know, I was going to say he's going to find new heights. Nice <laughs> <laughs> commentator's pun right there. Stop that right now. Um, and I'm going to I'm going to say uh, Schwartz will find his form Ooh, like uh, in Zagreb and then he'll rip it down there, Madonna. And take the and take There we win. go. Okay. Yeah. So I wanted to, before you finish off, okay. I wanted to just read through how mental January is for these races. So there are 18 races on in January. So we've talked about going for, to for Zagreb, men, for men, men and women men and combined. Women. Um, but we talked about Zagreb and Madonna. This is the tour that people are going to be going on. Zagreb, Madonna, Altenmarkt, Adelboden, Flakau, Wengen, Sestriere, Kitzbühel, Bansko, Schladming. That's a lot of skiing for us to watch in the next month. Yeah. And after all that, the start of February, they're popping over to Russia in Rosa Couture in yeah. the women's. They go to Ru- <laughs> they go to Russia, Japan, China. Yeah, it's uh, back to Slovenia, Norway, everywhere. They're t- literally globe trotting. Yeah. So fifty four medals up for grabs in January. It's going to be a lot of skiing for us to watch, but I'm excited about it. Yeah, I can't wait to. Uh, you know, January really feels like this racing sets. You know, back to back racing, Flakau for the women. Austria's heartland, they're always wicked races. Schladming for the men, Wengen, Kitzbühel, Sestria again for the women. It's uh, There's a lot of cool racing coming up. Exactly. Uh, and on that note, that will be enough from us and we will catch you later on in the week. Bye for now. 